0: Welcome to the
1: Med Street Journal.
0: Hello, and welcome to another very special episode of the Med Street Journal. Today I'm joined by Mr. Keith Summers. He is the co-founder and COO of Health Quorum. And Health Quorum is a health data analytics company uniquely focused on identifying care that is unnecessary and of low value to patients, eliminating wasteful spending prevalent in provider networks and saving money for healthcare organizations. As patients, we had firsthand exposure to skyrocketing healthcare expenses, often for unnecessary tests and procedures. Turns out we weren't alone. Nearly 30% of all health spend is estimated to be of low value, providing little benefit to patients while carrying additional risks. It's a trillion dollar problem that keeps getting worse. And after years of research, Keith and his team, they founded Health Quorum with the mission to reduce healthcare costs through the identification and reduction of wasteful spending. Health Quorum takes complexity out of provider network optimization with a holistic view of provider efficiency and value-driven referral patterns. They work collaboratively with clients to accomplish their goals, achieve better outcomes, and reduce the delivery of low-value care. Seems like they got a lot of interesting stuff they're working on, a lot of momentum in 2021. So with that being said, I'm excited to have Keith on. So welcome to the podcast, man.
1: Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And uh, Sorry, I gave you a little bit of a mouthful there for an introduction, but we're doing some complex stuff, so got to get those details right.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's just the intro, so we could dive a little bit deeper. But before we get into Health Corps, I kind of want to learn just a little bit about you and yourself and how you actually got to the position that you're at right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm based in the Boston area. grew up in a suburb about half an hour south of, of the city here. I've always been an entrepreneur and from as early as middle school, I've had little side businesses. I went to school, did my undergrad at Penn State University, and I was a finance major there. Ultimately, ended up graduating, and the startup world pulled me back, so I did not go into corporate finance, but instead returned back to the Boston area. I started a business right out of school that ended up scaling a bit, I exited that, and at this point, I made a shift into kind of the tech world and began kind of my journey into SaaS products and ultimately learned enough where I felt comfortable um, with the space and with how these companies run to say, hey, maybe I can go off and, and do this myself. So and that's what I did. Went on a little bit of a co-founder dating mission, I guess you could say. Which is a funny thing, but it, it exists. There's this little ecosystem of founders trying to meet other founders and match up their skill sets. So I ended up meeting my co founder, Murat Altman, and we actually had some similar views on US healthcare and patient experiences from our own personal lives. And so that's how we got into things.
0: Awesome. All right. So you mentioned finding your co-founder and going on that journey so before we move on I kind of want to talk about that so like how do you find somebody because I feel like as an entrepreneur you have a vision you know what you're good at but then you can't do everything alone so you have to reach out and find other people to help you and that's what you did but I've never heard about the whole finding the co-founder community and can you walk us through that process
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I do have to give a shout out to Co-Founders Lab. That's a website that essentially you post a profile of yourself as an entrepreneur, what you're looking for. Maybe you already have a business and you're looking to add a co-founder and maybe you're looking to start something new. So we ended up connecting originally through there. And, you know, I was exploring a couple different people to partner with. And it's just like any relationship, you have to click, it has to make sense, you have to, you know, be compatible in, in different areas. So for me, the sales, business, operations, end of thing, but I'm not a tech guy. Well I'm not a I'm not a development guy, I should say. Mm-hmm. So I I knew right away that my my goal was to find someone who lived and breathed development and who could really carry that 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 weight while I focused on growing the business and doing the sales activity and everything else that
0: comes with it nice so you said you had a background in starting and scaling businesses and in SaaS, and so now you jumped into the healthcare industry and so based off your research and experience what kind of led you down that pathway of wanting to jump into healthcare
1: yeah it's a good question it was a big piece of it honestly was just our own personal experience with the U.S. healthcare system, experiencing just wasteful spending, unnecessary care, and just having some frustrations on a personal level. And we both saw that. We also saw the rise of value-based payment models just in in general. So moving away from fee-for-service to value-based care and kind of the opportunities and the challenges that existed in, in, in this whole shift. So that's what drove us to dive into healthcare, and honestly, I think we we benefited to an extent from bringing a fresh perspective into the space. So there's something to be said for having 30 years of healthcare experience, but I think that there's another side to that, which is you come into it from a different perspective, you can bring some interesting and new things to the table.
0: Yeah, so you can see things with a fresh set of eyes rather than already be part of the system and how they think and go about their current processes and workflows. You come in and be like, Hey, this doesn't make sense. (laughs) Like there's there's a way to optimize this.
1: And with with that being said, you know, the experience is a big thing. So we've since surrounded ourselves with other uh, people on the management team and our advisory board who have been lifelong healthcare professionals, either as clinicians or, in operating or sales capacities. So we've rounded things out on that end as well, which has been really nice.
0: Awesome. So you guys have a cool melting pot of talent, expertise and skill and all that. And so now you have your company, Healthquorum, the health data analytics company. So what is it exactly that you guys do, doing? Who is it that you guys are looking to help?
1: Yeah. So I think our our overarching goal is to help reduce wasteful, unnecessary spending in the U S this is something that touches all stakeholders in, in kind of the healthcare ecosystem. So you, the patient, you, the health planner, the insurance company, the provider, even everyone can benefit if things run more efficiently. So we're out to reduce costs in terms of our, our, you know, business model and who we're working with. We we sell to primarily health plans, insurance companies, also large employers and even health systems, anyone who is essentially at risk to an extent, an extent when it comes to footing the bill and covering the, the, the claims that are being filed.
0: Okay. Okay. So not just the patients and the organizations, but literally the whole power triangle, patients, consumers, exactly the organizations and the payers, like everybody. So you talk about reducing healthcare costs. And one thing that sticks out to me, you mentioned the words low value, and I don't want to get that confused with low value as far as money. So can you explain what you mean by low value to the patients?
1: Yep. Glad you asked. Um, <laughs> uh, so low value care is this term that's becoming more and more widely recognized in, in the industry, but essentially it refers to care that is either unnecessary or brings additional risks with it and ultimately is not a good value for the patient. So for example, you could have a really successful surgery, which leaves the patient satisfied. It went well, There's was a good outcome. It could even be relatively low cost, but if it wasn't necessary in the first place, then that's low value care. Uh, and so there's numerous provider-sponsored and led organizations that kind of define best practices in, in healthcare. It's broken down by specialty and procedure type. And we're just following those guidelines and bring some intelligence and AI to the equation to help really make sure that we're targeting what's what's truly low value and really um, unnecessary for the patient.
0: Okay. So essentially kind of optimizing that entire patient journey. Is it more of like just doctors and physicians ordering stuff that's unneeded to the patient or... Maybe um, missed it.
1: You know, it, so it can be. Yeah, it can be a little bit of a little bit of both. There could be a patient who who is really advocating for something; they really want this surgery or this procedure done, and so the the doctor might give in, let's say, or the other way around, the doctor is pushing something and the patient goes along with it. But in either in either scenario, what we do is we look at how the provider compares to his peers and we see what the variance is there. So if there's one Dr. A is doing a certain number of MRIs per patient seen, and his peer is doing half that amount and their patient population and the risks involved are all very similar, then we might investigate that further. And lo and behold, many times a good amount of those are actually low value care procedures that we're seeing.
0: Okay. So you mentioned a couple of times about AI and I feel like when it comes to AI and healthcare, especially with like doctors and stuff, people were saying like, oh, AI is going to replace the doctor and whatnot. But how are you guys using like artificial intelligence and other technologies and SaaS platforms to not replace the doctor, but really help them and complement what they're doing?
1: Yeah. So... I think that a key distinction here is that we're not bringing our insights at the point of care. So the the doctor is not in the in the examination room and going on the computer and seeing something from Healthform saying this is low value or not. What we do really is we're looking at a more holistic approach of how they're practicing across their whole population and. We're drawing these insights that then after the fact can be used to affect change, You know, help them better understand how they compare to, to what the norm is across their specialty and within the region. So for instance, we'll report quarterly and we'll show the quantity of low value care procedures and, and the cost associated with them for every provider within the cohort we're looking at and and then it's okay what do we do next how do we move forward and address some of these things and are there additional um, data points we need to be looking at so it's an iterative process that when we start working through it with a client it really starts making sense and they're able to take some actionable insights from from the data that we're delivering
0: oh okay so you guys take like a almost like a consultative approach by really just understanding everything about what they're doing from a to z and if maybe something between a and b can be improved you guys have that data to back up whatever recommendations or suggestions you guys have for them
1: yeah yeah and the i think a, a really key aspect of what we do is that we we put all kinds of measures in place to make sure that we're doing a true apples to apples comparison of providers. So if there's an orthopedic surgeon um, who we're looking at, we need to make sure that he's only being compared to his peers relative to specialty, location, risk factors, patient population, and then we're doing all this risk adjustment behind the scenes so that it's a fair comparison and it, it makes sense, right? We can't look at People from different areas of the country, and and say what well, one is doing is good, and, and the other is bad. If their scenarios and their circumstances are totally different.
0: Uh, okay, so when you're comparing one provider to another, you're essentially comparing their numbers to like a benchmark of a larger category. And so when you're comparing that, comparing them to that. Where are you guys calling the data? You, is this stuff that you guys are tracking? How much data should they already have for you guys to dive into, for you guys to make a concrete
1: like yeah, analytics, yeah. you know, what I'm trying yeah, to say? Yeah, no, I, I hear you. So one of the other reasons, actually, why we got into this space was due to CMS beginning to publish claims data publicly, for, so for Medicare, right, they're they're now putting that out there and it's publicly available which is really what where we got our start. So looking at that publicly available CMS claims data, it's nationwide, it's very uniform and relatively easy to work with. So we began with that. So we did the whole country with the CMS data. And then when we begin working with the client, what we do is we see if they have data available for us to ingest as well. I think the gold standard is to use the client's data and then supplement with what we have internally with CMS or other data sources as needed. So that's how we go about it. And it's part art, part science, I would say, in terms of making sure that we get this mix right.
0: Yeah, awesome. It's like a beautiful balance technology. (laughs) And so, man, you guys do a lot of data, a lot of number crunching, I feel like. But what is one milestone or accomplishment That really sticks out in your eyes that you guys have achieved over the past however long.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would say it's funny. 2020, obviously, was a tough year across the board, but it was our best year as a company. And it could be just coincidental, but we, after a couple of years of development, brought on our first clients early in 2020. And then in Q3, we actually... Uh, signed a, a multi-year deal with a health plan, and I think that's probably what we're most proud of to date. It, re- it really showed just the buy-in that we're getting, and validated a lot of the work that we've done. And not only that, but other prospective partners shows that we're going to be around and we'll be here. We'll be here for the long haul. So that was really big for us.
0: Awesome. So getting building that relationship, that partnership. It's a big milestone. So now on the flip side, like you're an entrepreneur, you're the founder, you're building this thing from the ground up, not by yourself, but you you are building it from the ground up. What sort of obstacles or problems have you encountered? And how did you go about overcoming those?
1: There's a lot of obstacles. <laughs> <laughs> but that even if it was easy, everyone would do it, right? But I think the, the biggest challenge is getting that first customer and getting them to take that leap of faith and say, we're going to we're gonna be an early adopter here. We're going to work with you and, and realize that maybe it's not perfect out of the gate, but that there's also advantages to working with an early stage company. So getting over that hump uh, is really difficult. And I've seen it in other businesses as well I've been involved with. I think the other thing, which is interesting and difficult is when you're in this space and you're talking about data a lot of prospects want to see sample data they want you to show them what's happening in their neck of the woods before they've committed and paid anything and often on our side if we're going to surface sample data there's a real cost associated with doing the the quality assurance and just making sure that what we're showing them is as up-to-date and as current and accurate as possible. Um, We're still faced with this challenge where we have to decide we're gonna eat some development costs for a sample data set to hopefully win a customer or try to find some middle ground that's a little bit less labor intensive for us.
0: Mm, Okay. And so you guys landed that client, you built that partnership, but really in the beginning, it was hard or it was a process, I would say, of validating the value that you're trying to bring to the market. And before you guys got that first partnership, what do you think other people, like now in the future, what do you think they see in your company as like your the unique value that you guys bring? Like more than just data and numbers and yeah. what other people are doing out there, you know?
1: Um. We have a handful of proprietary technologies that we've developed in-house that just are very difficult to, to put together and others just don't have those. So that's just one thing. You can have it or you don't to an extent. The other is, is kind of our approach to working with clients. I would say it's very collaborative. You're not gonna be getting a black box solution when you work with Health Forum. You're really gonna be part of the process. And I think that's a, a really important factor, especially when you consider different clients are in different areas of the country and have a whole slew of things that are unique to them. So understanding those unique challenges and really being flexible and working with them, I think is something that's super important and really integral to, to what we do and the pillar of how we operate.
0: Awesome, I like that, that collaborative approach. And so when you are talking about the providers or your clients, what are they, what stage are they at before working with you? And then what is that transformation like for their business, for them after working with you?
1: You know, I would say that most, so let's talk health plans, right? That's our, our primary vertical. I would say most health plans are doing some, they need to be doing some sort of analytics already in-house. They're trying to get to this understanding of how can we improve and save money and increase quality and just really tighten things up across the board. So when they work with us, what they're doing is they're accelerating that process. They're, they're getting some really unique capabilities that often wouldn't make sense for even a mid health plan. So they're they're really just able to, they're taking leaps and bounds above, I guess, where they could get on on their own when it comes to analyzing the data they already have and understanding ways to improve and to ultimately save money. That's the name of the game.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So people who are already doing some sort of data analytics in-house, they're really just maximizing and amplifying their efforts by partnering with you guys, because you guys, like you said, you bring fresh perspective and that just different level of expertise.
1: Yeah. They like, oftentimes when I speak to people, they'll say, Oh, we already have a team that does analytics in-house. And from our perspective, like that team is our best friend. We, we want to <laughs> partner with them and, and really work with them because there's certain things that being Uh, an external company, we're we're not going to be able to do some of the functions they're able to do in-house and vice versa. And I think it's a good marriage if we can get, you know, the client uh, to understand that.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And then last one before we end the interview is what sort of advice would you have for providers or the health plan vertical when it comes to healthcare data?
1: And looking Um, at it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I would say there's a lot more that's probably possible and a lot of additional insights you can get than you're already getting. I think people might have a notion that they're doing analytics, quote unquote, already, and they have a good idea of what's happening, but there's just these deeper levels that we can really get to, and already maximizing the value of a, a valuable asset and their healthcare data. It's, you know, it's more important than gold. And if you can, if you can get as much out of that as possible, it really pays dividends for your organization.
0: Okay, just giving them that that game plan, that roadmap, just making, giving them clarity on what. All this stuff actually means i feel like
1: exactly. yeah exactly. yeah
0: it's awesome and so we're coming up towards the end of the episode and i like to end each episode on a little lighter exercise we been talking about a lot of complex stuff so <laughs> we'll end it on a little lighter exercise with something i like to call the rapid fire round so i'll just ask you a set of questions and you just give me whatever answer you come up with let's do it all right question number one what is your favorite book of all time
1: Mm -hmm. you know i was a big harry potter fan back in the day and that series i know it's not business related but that (laughs) series uh was really special you know growing up
0: nice not even one book take the whole series
1: (laughs) yeah it's all all in one package
0: awesome number two who's the most influential person in your life or career
1: i gotta say career from an entrepreneurial perspective my my dad he's you know, multiple time business owner and really got me started on this path. And I'm not sure if I would have taken the risk to have without him. So dad, final answer.
0: Awesome, awesome. Shout out to Mr. Summers. Number three, what is one goal you want to accomplish this year?
1: Well, we are about to open our, our first institutional fundraising round in February. So, we're looking to raise money. We've been bootstrapped and self funded to date. And now that we have some experience and some clients under our belt, we need to really pour some gasoline on this thing and, and, and get it going. So, that's the goal raise our seed round in 2021.
0: Awesome. Turn that spark into a fire. Exactly. Last but not least, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20 year old self?
1: That is a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> Man, 20 year old self, it's kind of cliche, but I, w- I wish I took some different classes in school that maybe would have been more helpful in my career as an entrepreneur, mm. obviously I was a finance major, so I, I really focused there. But yeah, I, I would have done some more stuff around tax and bookkeeping and other practical skills that you really need to have when you're an entrepreneur especially when you're just starting out and you can't afford to pay these external services to do the work for you. So round out your kind of hard skills beyond just what your core focus is when when you have the time.
0: Awesome, awesome. I think that's a perfect way to end today's episode. Keith, just want to thank you again for jumping on and just sharing what you're doing over at Health Quorum and how you're tackling the data analytics industry. Yeah, just want to say thank you. I found a lot of value, so I know my guests will find value in it as well. But before we go, where can people learn more about you, connect with you and learn more about Health Quorum?
1: Yes, so please visit us. Uh, If you Google us, you'll find us, but healthquorum.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-C-O-R-U-M.com. Um, very active on social as well. So drop us a line or email me directly, keith at healthquorum.com. And, and yeah, always looking for interesting ways to collaborate with people, even if it's not exactly in our space or open to the conversation. So welcome any and all to, to reach out.
0: Awesome. And I'll be sure to include all of that in the resources section. But that concludes today's episode. Catch you guys on the next one.